hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Welcome back to A Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. I'm here today with Joe, uh, and he's here with me as well. I am here so with how, you. how are you today, Joe? Who are you? Uh, I don't know. I just uh, a guy who's uh, <laughs> happened to log in on your uh, podcast. Yeah, but like, we don't know who that man was at the beginning of that episode, but he had a really sexy voice. <laughs> the I, uh, celebrity. <laughs> haven't detached any fingers today. No. Oh, dear. Do you know what? Right. Imagine waking up in the middle of the night and seeing Ian Gelder at the end of your bed in the mm -hmm. half dark. <laughs> Absolutely terrifying. <laughs> well, so yeah, I think well, that... the fingers are a bit comical. Mm hmm. But just his face is enough to scare me. Mm. Yeah, he's terrifying. He's absolutely terrifying. And he was terrifying in uh, uh, Torchwood as well when he was in that. Who was he in Torchwood? Uh, Mr. Uh, what was his name? Mr. Decker? Was it Mr. Decker? Oh, in Children of Earth. Yeah, Children yes. of Earth, yeah. He was in... Obviously, yeah, he, was, he had that sort of smile on his face when terrible things were happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, mm. uh, I haven't watched Children of Earth for a long time, actually. Need to kind of one of those things that you need to savour, I think. It's, it's not one to overwatch. The end of torture because I couldn't imagine them going to a darker place than Jack murdering his own grandson to save the no, day. No, <laughs> that no. show is sick on another level. <laughs> so, uh, what are we? What are we talking about today? Today we are talking about the, and I can confirm this due to the Twitter explosion that we've had. <laughs> A very divisive episode of Jodie Whittaker's second season. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Mm -hmm. mm. We should have maybe called this episode a hamster with a divisive pen knife. Yeah. <laughs> well, but it seems to be like there seems to be a kind of positive sway towards the episode as a whole, mm. and a very divisive opinion on one of the final scenes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I boy, we'll get there. Yeah, we will. And I do I do wonder if uh if that uh divisive scene at the end of it sometimes overshadows what a fantastic story mm. that we do have uh leading up to up to that point. Because uh, you know, uh, looking through um the Twitter comments and questions, which we'll get to uh later on, uh, and we will get to them. Um there is very little, there is a little discussed about what takes place during the episode, but there's a lot about what takes place at the end of the episode. And it's a shame because, I mean, it's great, but it's a shame because it feels like a lot of it's get a lot of it's got lost. You know, there's not a lot of discussion over that. What well, do you know what? I think in... The first season, Jodie Whittaker's first season, yeah, there wasn't a lot of this. There wasn't a lot of debate. And I think Chibbers is more savvy than people give him credit. I think he knew this like, this final scene was going to be divisive. And suddenly people were talking about the show in the positive and the negative and the issues that the episode brings up in a very passionate way. I can confirm that's annoying. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I had a very passionate debate with somebody um, 
And it kind of harkens back to some of the stuff that was going on in the Stephen Moffat era, where there was just debate all the time because he was doing quite radical things with the show mm. and experimental things with the show. And people were talking all the time. And I think that's healthy. It is healthy. It is healthy. I think I think people need to have a, a an open, healthy debate about things. And I think people need to uh, respect people's opinions. Um, and uh, I... I, I I'm pleased to say I'm the sort of person, I hope I'm the sort of person who can listen to other people and who can take on board their argument um, without dismissing it. Um, or insulting the other. Or insulting, yeah. It's kind of like, you know, I, w- I was thinking about this before we before we started and it's like sometimes being a Doctor Who fan is like being a fan of ice creams or desserts or something like that. It's like, I prefer mint ice cream to strawberry ice cream but it doesn't mean i'm going to go and attack the person who's buying a strawberry ice cream you know i'm and there is no right and wrong in that debate as well it's so subjective like Mm. you cannot definitively say mint choc chick ice cream is the best ice cream just because that's the one that you like but there does tend to be a certain corner of fandom that think because that's their opinion it is the opinion yeah and it's not there's so many i i can't I I used to I used to go to um a uh, a sci-fi shop in my town and this this the guy who owns it is a nice guy um but he used to say to me um he was a he was a massive fan of uh Doctor Who from the seventies he grew up watching I think probably season seventeen was his first season um and he got into the 80s stuff and he loved it when when um and he was a huge fan and when uh it, rtd brought it back he just hated it he hated it and with each different doctor no i don't like it it's not doctor who. it's not doctor who. this isn't doctor who this isn't doctor who. and i would say to him well but you, doctor who the whole one of the wonderful things about the series is that it changes constantly it will always have that feeling of doctor who in it but it doesn't always have to be the same because if it was always the same, it would be so dull. You know, I mean, I the, the Sylvester McCoy era is nothing like the Hartnell era. The, the Pertwee era is nothing like the Colin Baker era. It changes all the time. And to just suddenly dismiss, to dismiss it because it doesn't feel like what you perhaps grew up with is just so narrow minded, I think. But the sort of the big difference there is uh, that's fair enough to have that opinion. Is, oh, absolutely, yeah. But that doesn't mean it's not Doctor Who just because it's not Doctor Who for you. Mm. For you is the important thing there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Do you know what else is really healthy? What's that? Talking about mental health. Yes. And I think both uh, this and... Vincent and the Doctor less so, because mm-hmm. I think that's a more popular episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do come in for a bit of criticism for bringing these sort of, oh, I'm going to say it, in inverted commas, woke issues mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. into the show. Um, I'm somebody that struggled with my mental health for many, many years. And I have really good periods and I have really bad periods. And I've learned how to handle my mental health extremely well um but in my worst periods it was pretty bad and talking about this stuff really really helps Mm. and i think any episode of doctor who that is encouraging people to talk about mental health is doing something massively positive 
Absolutely it is. And, you know, and I think, I think more people need to, you know, know that it's okay to talk about it. You know, I, 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 I suffered with my, with my mental health. Um, you know, it was a couple of years ago now. And, uh, I got myself into such a place where I just couldn't, I just felt like I couldn't talk to anybody anymore. I felt like I was lost. And, and then I realized that there were, I could talk to people and there were people out there that I, that I could talk to. And, you know, you, I think this whole kind of thing that you hear people, you know, saying, oh, you know, people, people being called snowflakes and things like that because they, because they're, because they're, they're because of their mental health. I don't think that's, you know, that's not fair on people because people need to talk. And I don't think there's anything wrong with, with being able to talk about things. I don't, I've never understood that kind of stiff upper lip kind of attitude that you have to have, you know, it's, I do wonder if we're a couple of generations away from that not being a problem anymore. Mm. You know, I think there'll always be people that, you know, think you're a, a bit of a wimp for having your heart on your sleeve. Mm. But I think, I think in the future that'd be less of a problem. And in this episode in particular, they take such a clever approach to mental health because there's three separate storylines. There's Yaz and her past with depression. And I think there's a strong suggestion that she's suicidal. Mm. Um, then you've got Ryan's friend who is extremely depressed and insular and has cut himself off from everybody. And then mm. you've got Graham who's dealt with something massive in his life and has huge sort of worries that that may reoccur. Mm. And I think as you sort of watch this episode, you could potentially be any one of those three and, and any one of those three is, is sort of your in to this episode. Mm. I think so. And, you know, I've I've um, Ryan's friend um, Thibaut. He's I, I I didn't quite get to that extreme point um, because I had people around me who didn't allow me to get to that point. You know, people who eventually realised that you know that they could help me. Um, so I never got myself to that to that stage. But you can see it. You can see yourself. I see myself in him of of what I potentially could have become if I hadn't opened up. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, I said to you last night when we were messaging that, you know, I actually had a tear in my eye when I was watching that that uh, that scene, because it just reminded me of the 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 very black hole that I was I had inside me at the time um, because I, you know, because I, I didn't want to talk about it. I just felt I could carry on, carry on. And uh, yeah. yeah. The storyline that moved me the most and the one I could relate to was Yaz's. That's not because I've, well, actually, during my darker period, I did head up to the, I live on the South Downs and I mm. did head up to the hills, not to commit suicide, I would add, mm. um, but just because it was sort of an open space to think. Uh, but I had somebody who in my life was extremely kind to me when I was in that dark place and who was sort of kind and funny and patient and listened and would just listen to me and I'd bawl in, into tears and, and just advise me and, and just sort of be normal with me when I was mm. in a dark place. And I got the chance, just like Yaz does, when she gives her the 50p, to go to that person when I felt better and thank them for it. Mm. I, I've, I And I think that's a really responsible approach as well. 
you, you're basically saying you can go through stuff and still have worries. Mm. You can go through stuff and feel better mm. and you can have ongoing mental health issues. It, it actually tackles all three of those things. It does because, you you know, it doesn't go away. You know, I think when I had my issues and, and you know, I, I won't go into too much detail about it all. But when I, you know, when I had my issues, I, I was like, I, I, w- I went to see a counsellor for six weeks, I think it was, a counsellor for six weeks. And you kind of, you just think, I'm, I'm fine now. So what I did is I stopped um, using the building blocks that I'd put into place to help me because I thought, I'm all right now. And that wasn't the case. And, and you know, to this day, I have to, it, I still slip back sometimes and you have to put, you have to kind of build yourself back up again and, and go back to those, those building blocks that you were taught to, to, to use um, because it doesn't, it, it doesn't go away. And I think it's, it's also, it's important that, you know, this, this story also, like you say, it does, doesn't tell you that everything's magically better. You know, it leaves you with, you know, things are not things are, things are not always going to be better. There's no click of the fingers and things are things are perfect. It doesn't that's you know, that's not how life works. Because Graham's oh I'm sort of better now is probably going off in the TARDIS and having these wonderful adventures. And this just goes to show even that's not enough to mm. keep the fears away. Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually it's it, it, it it's really interesting. I guess it's you know, you've got Ryan, who's kind of at the end of the episode saying, you know, we're, 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 we're moving on and we're not with, you know, we're leaving our lives behind. And, and that kind of starts feeding into him eventually leaving. Um, whereas you've got Yaz, who's quite excited. It's the, it's the excitement of the adventure um, that, you know, she realizes she's found herself this, this exciting life. So for, but, you know, those characters are going in totally opposite directions by by the end of this episode. What's interesting with Yaz is, is come rev- Revolution of the Daleks, she's in a dark place again. She's lost mm. the Doctor and she's obsessed with getting her back and getting back to that lifestyle to the point where she's totally withdrawn to that TARDIS. Mm. And what's brought up there and what's brought up here makes me wonder, actually, post-Power of the Doctor, where she's had to leave that life behind, is she going to have another moment again? Maybe mm. it looks like she's got all that support of the other companions, mm-hmm. but if she has got sort of an aptitude for for this sort of mental state, then then maybe she's got tricky times ahead. Yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting idea, and I do hope we we revisit Yaz one day in the future. Um, I think anybody that says that these regulars aren't defined and aren't developed within this episode, they're watching something very different for me. Yeah, they are. They are. This is like this is the most developed of the companions I think I've ever, I've ever seen, you know, it's, you know, they, they, they might not be my favorite companions, but they are definitely the most developed companions that I've ever seen. Well, I want to say something about how subtly done it all is as well. I've often made this comparison that the characterization in sort of series one to 10 can be very heightened and a bit hysterical mm-hmm. and we love it because it's hugely melodramatic you know together or not at all you know <laughs> Donna mm-hmm. having her memories ripped away from her and it's all and it's amazing drama and this is so much subtler than that um 
Graham's confession to the doctor and Yaz's moment on the hill and Ryan's quiet scenes with his friend. But actually, I'd say one to ten is TV drama. Mm. This feels far more like real drama to mm. me. Mm. You know, what actually happens in people's lives. And I think it's really interesting for the show to sort of touch on that. Mm. Yeah. And and it's and I think, you know, that's probably why uh, there was so much of a I don't want to say there was a there was a that people weren't really enjoying uh, series 11. Um, but it was such a change. It was such a gear change from, you know, the, the, the wild adventures and, you know, um, you know, the Capaldi finale and twice upon a time. And, and all of a sudden were dropped into this kind of uh, Sunday evening drama with people that we probably know and we talk to and we we're friends with and we we work with um and uh i think i think that's probably i think it probably pulled the rug out from underneath a few people's feet and and what i what i've noticed over the last few years is that people are those that maybe didn't like it to start with are kind of coming around to mm. coming around to it now i mean i i absolutely from from the get-go as soon as Jody came onto onto the screen, as soon as that first episode was on, I was like, "Wow, this is this is good. This is different. Um, this is this. You know, the show needed shaking up a little bit." And that's not that's not to say that I wasn't enjoying it, but it was kind of a bit like each year Doctor Who came out, it's another series, load of exciting adventures, and then we move on, get another series, and it kind of every now and again Doctor Who just needs fresh, you know, it needs freshening up, and and. Chibnall came along and whether you you know whether you enjoy all of his writing or whether you enjoy the characterization of the doctor or what it needed it needed something something else and I think it didn't I think it pulled the rug under uh, pulled the rug out from under a lot of people and whilst I love that sort of melodrama mm. of those first 10 seasons you know you know me I'm over the top bloke and I love all of that sort mm. of um, <laughs> madly expressed emotion i'm really surprised very often in tv how much subtle drama moves me mm. you know, and and not going for the sort of soap opera hysterics mm. and instead going for something a bit more naturalistic which yeah. i think this era does as well and we ain't even touched on any of the doctor who stuff in this episode yet no. you know no. Well, yeah, we probably should press play, you know, because we've we got do, yeah. a few tweets to get through at the end. Oh, I think uh, well, I, I, it's going to be a it's going to be a, uh, a a task navigating them all because <laughs> you've got you've got comments within comments and tweets within. We'll do it, don't you worry. We'll untangle <laughs> that web, and I shall tell everyone how they're wrong. No, sorry, how <laughs> their opinions are very valid. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, do you want to count us in? Well, yes, uh, uh, we'll go in uh, five, four, three, two, one, go. I mean, it's saying so, you know, we've been able to have a half an hour discussion before we've even started the episode mm. and we barely touched upon, mm-hmm. you know, a fraction of the episode. Yeah. And I like these. Uh, I, what, I, what I've what i noticed is um, uh, is one thing that's improved so much over the years uh, in Doctor Who is that you kind of... Your CG landscapes that we that we see now, stunning, isn't it? That Aleppo. Yeah, yeah. You feel like you, you feel like you're looking at a, actually looking at it, and it's not a, 
you know, it's not a CG creation. Um, so this, weirdly enough, to start with a criticism, I perhaps <laughs> would have just got rid of all the Aleppo scenes. Now, I think they're incredibly well realised. Mm. The sets are great, the lighting's great, the is great, the monster is great, mm. and I even think the characters are fun. Mm. Well, I think it's, as usual in season 12, maybe one element too much. I think so. I mean, I, I think, you know, one, one of the criticisms of, of the Chibnall era is that there's too many people. Um, and I think that what you're doing here is you're 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 re- you're introducing another character here, the Tahira, and um, or Tahira. I don't know if it's Tahira or Tahira. Well, she um, goes Tahira, doesn't Tahira, she? Tahira, yeah. And um, uh, so you're introducing you're introducing her, um, and perhaps it could have been retooled for it to have been one of the one of the companions instead. Um, I would say this about Jodie Whittaker episodes, you know, where they bring in all these guest stars. Perhaps this could have been a more substantial role for one of the companions. Well, the perfect example of that is in um, is in Resolution um, with the policewoman. I can't remember uh, her name now. Could, could have been Yaz. Could have been Yaz. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've got a ready-made police policewoman there. Um, that would have been great as well. Um, do you know this is one of the very few Doctor Who stories that is both written and directed? by a woman yes and it's uh it's also the uh is she the second the only the second uh, uh black woman to have written an episode as well really God. yes charlene it's far into doctor who that is shocking you know? <laughs> no um I- i'm wondering if the reason these scenes are included is because they didn't think people would get on board with this without a monster, like an mm. actual monster. Whereas mm. you've got two gods, you've got mental health issues, which could be a monster all on its own. Mm-hmm. And then you've got this bloody great creature, which looks great. Yeah. But I think it's the weakest of the three. Mm, I think so. And, you know, it's... Uh, I think... Uh, is it, it could... Yeah, I think you could have you could have easily have brought that into into the into the kind of the modern era and had that even even perhaps Yaz's sister could have been you know the one that was being terrorized by these uh by these creatures um but yeah it's uh and also cold opening as well before the theme tune so we don't we don't we didn't get a lot of them in the Chibnall era did we no, and they're usually pretty good when they do. Is that the right? Is that the right word? Cold opening, or is it a cold opening when it goes straight into the titles? I just call it a pre-title sequence. Pre-title sequence. <laughs> well, I've, I've been I've been sort of programmed by Americans to call it that mm-hmm. as they did it long before we did. They did. Ah, oh, now this was great though. This and this reminded me. Remember in Spyfall when we caught up with all of them at home, mm. and then we're doing it again here. Yeah. And, um, Yaz is going home to her sister to commemorate. We don't know what. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan's off to see his friend and um Graham is there with his mates. Mm-hmm. And I like that. That's sort of it it annoys me less than sort of the Clara Oswald thing of her constantly being at home and traveling and sort of having one foot in the door. Yeah. It works better, you know, you you kind of it, it's the sort of thing you would do if you were genuinely traveling. You know, you would go back home every now and again. You just you wouldn't go back home at the end of each day. Well, you might do. It depends on where you go. But, you know, uh, and I love the kind of the this color scheme in the TARDIS when it goes Isn't red it and blue. Creepy. Oh, yeah. my word. 
I'm it's... not sure you could have it all the time because we couldn't have the TARDIS looking that creepy all the time. No, but... no. But it's uh, it's definitely lit better um, in Series 12, I think, from how it was lit in. Do you remember when it goes all red in um, Timeless Children as well, before the Jadoon come in? Mm. Every time they light it, another colour is automatically more atmospheric. It is. It is. Um, it makes you wonder why they settled on the colour scheme, to, you know, the original colour scheme to start with. I'm still baffled by those penises that come down to <laughs> the time she touches the controls, but, you know. <laughs> That's the one thing. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of hate uh, for the... Uh, for the interior of her TARDIS, but the only thing I didn't, the only thing I wasn't keen on was was the penises. So, you know, I mean, I can understand them. that. Given you know, you are a heterosexual man. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this line of Ryan's. I, I don't often like Ryan's line readings, but when he goes, "But I've got chips though," <laughs> <laughs> I <love> that line. <laughs> it sounds like such a dork. <laughs> And isn't it lovely to see Yaz's sister again as well? Yeah, yeah, it's nice because, and and sadly, we don't really get to see, um, we don't get to see kind of her parents and uh, no, her sister. We never get a, it, wouldn't it? Mm, I think we we could we should have seen we should have seen more of them, um, or at least seen them towards the end of of the era, maybe. I look, like th- these two characters here, right, playing cards with Graham. They are one scene characters. We never ever see them again, or before or since, yeah. And yet, because Bradley Walsh has got such an effortless way with people, I just feel like they've been friends for years. Mm. It's just so natural, and and uh, his kind of the way he delivers his dialogue as well. Um, there's a, there's a, there's a few there's a few things that he does which I picked up over uh, picked up on. Um, he'll he'll kind of be saying something and then he'll cut himself off saying it and 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 say something else and it happens a few times in in this and it's just it's just a very naturalistic way of of playing a character. Um, and I, I think I, he's the best actor on the ensemble. Uh, yes, I think he is actually. I do. You know, I think Jodie's the best actor in the ensemble, but I don't. I love Jodie Whittaker's Doctor. I don't think we saw her entire potential realised. No, I think uh, she 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 definitely develops um, and she gets better as each series goes on. I think when they then they allow her to uh, play, you know, things a little bit darker from time to time. Um, it kind of shows you her, her range. Um, you know, there's. Sometimes she does it with just a look as well, you know. Yeah. Um. Even in even you know in the very first episode of the of the woman who fell to earth, um, the the scene where she's watching, uh, Ryan on his bike mm. from the distance, yeah. and it's just just a, she's not saying anything. It's just the look that she that she gives. Well, look like the look she just gives to that creature there. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell! What the hell is that? <laughs> Terrible bit of CGI. Jesus Christ! Mm. It's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not perfect, is it? I think she's characterised super well in this, though. Like, I really love the fact that she can't just wait around in the TARDIS for them. Mm. She's like, well, what am I going to do whilst everyone's out? She goes, I could always skip forward to the next day when they're back. Yeah. <laughs> but no, she finds her own mysteries to solve. It's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's one of the things I like about her. She's, she's all for wanting to have an adventure and get out there. And she's not, she's not brooding and she's not, you know, she doesn't, it, she doesn't tend to be, want to be, kind of on her own and you know that that 
that kind of comes across a little bit, you know, with that that divisive scene at the end as well, where she's kind of everybody's discussing her feelings and she just quickly wants to get on to the next adventure, you know, almost as if and we will get to it. Uh, you know, we, we won't be able to avoid that, but it's it's almost like she's she masks her her anxiety, uh, you know, a social anxiety with let's just get back into it. Let's get back into it. You know, I don't want to talk about this. Let's let's get out there and have some fun, you know. Um, and there are other occasions of her sort of stepping back from moments where she could have gone all in like Tennant would have or possibly mm. Matt Smith. You know, I think she keeps a deliberate distance from her companions to an extent. She does, yeah. Yeah. I don't think anyone expected of the first female Doctor. No. I quite like. Yeah. I like it. I can't remember which episode it is. I don't know if it's after Fugitive Fugitive of the Jadoon um, when Yaz is asking her what's wrong and she's just kind of like, nothing, nothing's wrong. And it's kind of, she's very much, she doesn't want to talk about it. She just wants to she just wants to sweep that away, you know, and I like well, that. In the last season, you get a lot of scenes of Yaz saying, no, you're going to tell me what's going on and why you're so bothered and mm-hmm. what bloody mystery is you're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. And eventually she just breaks down that wall to, to only to Yaz. Mm-hmm. And they get incredibly close in those last mm-hmm. couple of episodes. Yeah. What makes their part at the end so touching. Oh. This is really great because when I did my, so when I, uh, walked out of my depression mm. at its lowest point i then decided to give back a little bit so i joined uh mind as a volunteer and I went on the befriending program to help other people that were going through that and one of like there, there was lots of great stuff in the training about signs that people could be depressed or could be feeling low and the messy house like this was one of those signs that people sort of not look and personal hygiene and and things mm-hmm. like that. So I think all the details here are absolutely spot on. I don't know if they if they probably got some advice from outside. Mm. It does make me wonder. I mean, I don't know the background of the of the writer really. Um, I tried to do a bit of research onto her, um, but um, she's, it doesn't really come up with much. So I don't know if this is kind of written from anything that she's experienced or not. I know it's written with. Chibnall though as well isn't it? it's kind of mm. co-written with him I'm wondering um, if he's sort of pushing some of the regulars character development mm, yeah I think so yeah or he was like no I'm just going to get a mention of the toy maker in there and the Eternals as well <laughs> we're doing gods <laughs> but what I love about her sister in this is that she was a bit she was sort of like the comic foil in arachnids in the uk wasn't she the annoying sister and mm. i really like the fact that they show a different shade to their relationship here where she wants to celebrate enough mm. here that yaz is alive yeah it's very real isn't it it's it, it's a very real relationship you know it's like um when she says that she's she lost a job and she's just she's like oh, Sonia it's just like it's just normal dialogue isn't it between between people there's no there's no reason other than it to be na- it's just natural dialogue between people that's why I enjoy it so much it feels real 
the um another thing i really like about this is how for a while it feels a bit like one of those you know i used to have in the hartnell era the part historical stories the future stories and then the sort of sideways adventures mm-hmm. space museum episode one mm-hmm. planet of the giants you know stories that didn't quite fit into the pattern and for quite a while, this feels like one of those. It is a contemporary story, mm-hmm. but it's this sort of fantasy story or dark fantasy story. Mm. With John having these chilling dreams and mm. Graham having these weird visions. Um, oh, don't you think this is great, the way they film this? It is, and it's so creepy. The the way they, they filmed the, the, police, uh, the police officer, she's just... It's proper, you know, that desolate road. And and that feels sort of nightmarish, doesn't it? That sort of it, being all on your own. Yeah, you pr- it's proper, and just glimpses of a nightmare as well. And uh, here he is. <laughs> I've said it before, and I've said it again. If I woke up and Ian Gelder was there in the shadows staring at me, I would shit the bed. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of talk um, at the time. Well, I say there was a lot of talk. It's just uh, reading reading comments that people thought he might have turned out to be the Black Guardian um, at the time, but uh, that never obviously came to be. I mean, they're all supposed to be in that sort of group, aren't they? Mm. This pair, what are this pair called? Zelin and... and uh, oh, I've written a name down. Remember it Fabulous woman with the, with the white hair. <laughs> oh yeah, she's beautiful as well, isn't she? Um, I, can't find, I can't remember her name is now. Um, it's not Zakaya, is it? No. Sure. Well, we'll see when, we, when she comes. <laughs> like those fingertips are <laughs> going into his ear. I do think that's quite funny. Like he he could have done it with a look. Gelder is good enough that he could mm. do it with a look. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it's it's you know it's doing something that will terrify the kids as well. You know, or 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 the kids will find that fun and. You know, you know, the man's fingers will come off and stick in your ear, and the kids could do that. You know, well, it's like a wet willy, isn't it? <laughs> stick in you your ever ear. do that at school? <laughs> what a wet willy? Yeah, no, you suck your finger and stick it in someone's ear, oh. and it was called a wet willy. I wasn't going around in the playground. <laughs> Did you? Know that? No, oh, never. Yeah, never. Thinking cruelly, but we were a bit illegible, oh, wow. so <laughs> you have to forgive us. <laughs> <laughs> no. nice. Jody's hair's a bit longer in this as well. Mm. It's nice. It's a, I like it. It's a good look on it. See these are I love all these sets in Aleppo. Yeah. Although it does feel a little bit like a studio. Um what it is? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't feel like they've gone to a location to film it. Because they obviously haven't, have they? But um, but but it, they're it, sort of vast, aren't they? They're big, big mm, sets. Mm-hmm, yeah. Good lighting. Yeah. This 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 coal merge thing. Oh, oh it's great. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you did you ever see that? Um, somebody put together a. Uh, I don't know if it was the Doctor Poop Twitter account put together um, this scene, but she was on the phone to so many different people. She was on the phone to Rose, on the phone to. <laughs> To, to Donna and uh, Martha, and it was just hilarious. Cool merge. I'm bringing you all together. I like that. Then you get the three of them in split screen. You know, yeah. Who? <laughs> <laughs> My friend Tahira. 
Well, that is one old thing. It's because then they take to here in the TARDIS and then to the future, to this weird space station. Mm. And she takes it all in her stride. <laughs> mm. But again, I mean, Chibnall, Chibnall's kind of, he does that quite often. I mean, he did it in um, in Dinosaurs on the Spaceship as well, didn't he? He's, he's, he, get, he takes in the, the hunter. I can't remember the, the, oh, the hunter's yeah. name. He's got uh, Rory's dad. And the, yeah, yeah. yeah he's, he just, he seems to like gathering a lot of people in, in, into the TARDIS. Um you know uh... these um telepathic circuits or whatever it is she uses on graham in a minute mm-hmm. to take them to the other place you know mm. where the woman's being held uh prisoner mm-hmm. is that the same ones that is used in dark water um i think it's the same idea but it's the the ones in dark water and it's um is it in listen as well um it's uh it's like they, they stick the fingers in the in the console oh that's right like it's yeah. some kind of jelly uh it's been upgraded to a helmet Mm. <laughs> her face there was I know with the fingers yeah. yeah. she's like ooh oh Jesus Christ um, Jim Ryan is so beautiful <laughs> I don't care that he's a bit boring he's so pretty <laughs> and it's, it's such a shame that he didn't he didn't get to come back for a brief scene with um, with Graham yeah. and uh, Power of the Doctor the only thing I think that's missing from that well mm. And Chris Knopf and John Barrowman, but we know why they weren't there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're gone. <laughs> and this, then we, this, we sorry, go this, on. This this with with Graham, he starts saying about, yeah, if you get me an A to Z of uh, the universe, I can point my finger on the planet. And he's like, No, I can't. I don't know. I don't <laughs> and it's that kind of natural kind of he stops himself talking. You yeah. know, I, I, I yeah. It it almost it's almost like Bradley Walsh wit rather than Graham mm. wit, you know, and I like mm. that. Yeah, I think he's sort of really merged into the part now, where you can see Bradley Walsh the entertainer coming out as well. Yeah, and they do him up quite. They they, they age him up a little bit, don't they? Um, as Graham, because uh, I don't think he is kind of. He don't think he looks that. Well, he's not old. He doesn't look old as Graham, but I think they age him up slightly with the makeup. Now, these, again, are very obviously sets this space station. Mm. Boy, oh boy, could you imagine if the Graham Williams era, which had a lot of these sort of space stations and corridors, looked as good as this? <laughs> I like all the weird crisscross sort of girders. Mm. The way she like, plays a violin or something. It's strings, isn't it, to get the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd be uh, we'd be having beige corridors and uh, people in silver suits wouldn't we I, I re-watched the nightmare of eden the other night so <laughs> yeah it's very fresh in my mind <laughs> it's very well lit isn't it <laughs> but i feel like designs come on in leaps and bounds in the new series even from moffitt's era mm, yeah we've we're no longer using well we may still be using it at some point but we're no use, longer using the, the you know the temple of peace or uh corridors under the millennium stadium <laughs> is it the millennium stadium or Cardiff in marble, it's those marble walls again <laughs> <laughs> Or the same, uh, the same lift shot. <laughs> and elevator you know, this, is, this is the uh, the second time today I've got to compliment Sega Nakanola's music, mm. but he's playing heavy bass instruments in this, and he's doing string work, which yeah. goes right up and down your spine. Mm. It's really great school. Well, what I I noticed, you know, the other day when I was rewatching it, the, the, there's there's pretty much a very low ambient music throughout the entire episode it's always kind of there just it's not too loud it's not overpowering until it needs to be overpowering but it's always there there's always a little bit of music just playing under each scene 
Um, and I think that kind of wrap that kind of ramps up the tension and the kind of yeah the the tension of it all. I just I love it when every time he appears in someone's room and that bass goes bang. Mm. Like, oh god! That, <laughs> uh, each time the the tell you the bit that gets me is when when he's uh, when Zelen stood in um, stood in the child's bedroom and the camera the camera pans and oh, you get the god. Each time I see it, I jump. Each time. She goes, there's no such thing as the boogeyman. And he goes, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> this is really nice as well. I like the the smoke effect that goes across where you see the, the picture going mm. across in mm. sort of uh, a smoky pattern. Mm. It's good. Dire- it's really good direction. It is. It's really good direction. And I also, you know, you, you kind of, I like the fact that, uh, and, and I, re- I feel bad that I cannot remember the the other actresses uh, the other character's name um but she that that she's calling out to graham um you know save me can you hear me help me and later on he has that nightmare of grace saying um why didn't you save me you know so she's kind of playing on that on his guilt of it all you know come and save me like and that. speaking of somebody you know who's been having some pretty lucid like i don't really remember my dreams but for some reason uh, in the last couple of months i've been sort of drifting lightly in the mornings and mm. having some pretty potent scary dreams about wow. people i know behaving in ways that frighten me mm. yeah i used to i don't remember my dreams anymore i used to when i was a kid i still remember the dreams i was when i was a kid they were terrifying um, but I don't tend to remember them anymore. So the one thing I don't like is that there's an awful lot of techno babble in these scenes. Yeah. And, and Star Trek, I'll just switch off immediately. Yeah. this and, and I think this is where it sags a little bit. Um, you know, you've got. There was a there was a line which Jodie said, uh, which the doctor said um, just a, a little bit ago where she says and it just felt so un, unnaturalistic where she says. Uh, this place has so much, so many secrets to yield. And I was just like, that doesn't sound like a natural line. It just feels like it's forced in. It's not techno babble, but it does. This this kind of middle bit sags a little bit, I think, because there's just too much. I get the impression this setting is supposed to be like a really scary, nightmarish setting. Mm. And what it feels like to me is just a particularly well-designed and lit sort of space station, you know? Mm. Because yeah. it's got the fingers hanging and all of that, isn't it? Yeah. Now, this is where it picks up again. Yeah. Yeah, we're suddenly back to... to uh, the interesting stuff. Well, it's it's basically their fears taken to the nth degree, isn't it? So in this mm-hmm. version, is it the sister that's going through what Yaz went through? Or is it the sister just saying to her, no one's coming for you? I think um, I think uh, she, I think the sister was the one who um, called the police to go and help Yaz, and I think Yaz's fear here is possibly that this time Sonia is not going to do that, um, and she's saying to her, you know, you know, go and you're alone in the dark, and you know that that's the that's what I got from it that that she's now worried that the one that actually helped to to kind of you know put her back onto this path of being helped um is now not there that that's that's what i got from it that pullback from yaz there 
Mm. I think that's one of the best shots in the whole episode. That really feels like a nightmare. You are completely alone in this yeah. desolate landscape. Yeah, there's nothing there. And then you get Ryan's friend basically saying, you weren't there for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure the flames are a bit much. Yeah, I'm not quite... I'm, I wasn't quite uh, sure that they needed to have the kind of they put the dregs in it don't they from orphan 55 and not quite sure that they needed that um they could have uh, i mean i'm not a tv producer or a director but i would have i would have had ryan's nightmare of him finding his friend in his flat um old and still there you know on his own that's how maybe i would have done it I think I would have been braver and gone further because we've done suicide in Doctor Who before. Mm-hmm. We, we did Vincent and the Doctor. We did Adelaide in Waters of Mars. Mm-hmm. So I would have implied it rather than showed it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. This is the killer, though. Yeah. Him being worked on by Grace, saying yeah. uh, the cancer's back. Yeah. And, you know, I've I've never been through this. So I can't speak for anybody who is going through this. Um, but I can only imagine, you know, the kind of fear that people would go through as being diagnosed with cancer. I mean, I, I lost my mother to cancer about four mm. years ago. And it was it was very much this of, uh, we're going to fight this, we're going to fight this. No, the fight's over. So these mm. fears are... Mm compelling you know mm, yeah and just to have grace there doing it as well mm. that's just twisted and cold as well you know she's not you know there's nothing warm about her there it's you know she's it's the person that he loves telling him this and Sharon D. Clark is in five episodes and I don't think she puts a foot wrong you know she doesn't in fact to the point where where when she was uh, in, when we first saw in the woman who fell to earth, sorry, um, we, I almost forgot that she wasn't going to be part of the, the regular. She just cast. feels like part of the team, doesn't she? She does. She does it. She really does. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's a shame that I mean it would have been way too many people in the TARDIS then. But well, I don't know. I, I might have booted out Ryan, you know, and had Grace instead. That would have been interesting. Husband and wife on board the table. Yeah, amazing. Well, we've done it before. Yeah, yeah, of course we have, yeah. (laughs) People said, you know, I was so predictable because she went off with that cable going, ah, you know, is it wrong that I'm enjoying this? But that's exactly the line that Amy said to the Doctor in uh, Asylum of the Daleks. You know, Mm. she was going to die in that. Mm. (laughs) Zillin. Oh, Chibbers, that's such a space name. Put a massive shed at the front. Yeah, if there is, if there is... uh... If there is one thing I will say about about um, Chivers, his uh, he, he, I don't like his space names. There's, there's a hell of a lot of them in um, Ascension of the Cybermen. Yedlami and uh, <laughs> I can't even remember the rest of them. Yedlami is the one that um, that always sticks out. But it's like he just lent on the keyboard and whatever came up <laughs> on Microsoft Word, he's like, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> it's it's it, it reminds me of. Um, you kind of you, you some of the space names that you would get in, in the Virgin New Adventures, um, names that you just they're just not easy to. Whereas Russell has got you know Linda and uh, you know just natural sounding names, or just like I don't know, like Linda with a Y, Linda with a Y. As a person from the future, that's a name you just never forget. What you yeah, never forget you never forget Linda. 
horrendous <laughs> way. <laughs> He's a bad man. Yeah. But uh, with these sort of uh, these gods that we're we're fighting against in this, yeah, mm. I really like how they're established. So mm. him turning up in the bedrooms and her in Graham's head. I really like how their backstory is presented in a minute. Mm-hmm. Something completely new, the animation. And I really love the sequences where they're walking down the streets and they're about to take... The only thing, that, and it ruins it for me, is they're just so easily defeated. Yes, yes. They, it's I, really I, annoying. It's so quick and it's yeah. so easy. And it's like, let's just chuck them away quickly. You know, so we can move on to to the, the kind of character bits instead. And that's exactly what's happening, isn't it? Is that yeah. they're, they're hurrying that plot so they can get to the meat of the episode. Yeah, and that's where that's where it fails sometimes. And it's not the only story that's guilty of doing doing that uh, across the entire run of Doctor Who, but it's it is such a shame because you know, in the new series they rush a lot of endings. They do, the yeah. It just it just kind of cheapens it because I would have uh, I would have liked to have seen more of um, of the of these two characters. Uh, I think somebody even mentioned on the Twitter comments, which we we'll get to later. But somebody mentioned that you know this kind of could this have been uh, Swarm and Azure from Flux, you know, or could these have become Swarm and Azure as a recurring character that kind of moved into into Flux, you know? So it's a shame that we don't get to see any more of them. Well, I mean, I know it might have felt a little anticlimactic, but I would have liked them to have gotten free and then just gotten away. And then there was mm. a promise that we were going to see them again. Yeah. And then we did the character stuff because it just cheapened them. Yeah. Just just a line, just a line with Jodie. Yeah, it's called Jodie, the Doctor, saying, you know, they're out there somewhere. Every time they defeat these gods, the Eternals in Enlightenment or the Black Guardian in the Armageddon factor, you're like, well, they weren't all that, were they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if that's all it took. That's like Linda Barron just get thrown overboard or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, here she comes. Yeah. And that's the idea of the prison as well. That's a, that's a huge concept of two mm. planets with her trapped there in the middle. Yeah. It's all good stuff. It is, and and I think, um, I think as well, it's it's the sort of story that you kind of, and I've I've, I've said about this before. Usually, when you watch an episode for the first time, it's you, you're so like, you're so on edge because you want it to be the best thing ever, and you 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 don't always take in what you're watching. And so, I think probably the first time I watched this, I didn't quite get the whole the the plot line of what was going on here but the more you watch it the more you allow it to sink in the more it makes sense um you know whether whether or not that um filters through to the general public i don't know but um this scene this sequence i mean that we could do a little more of this sort of visual Mm. it's so good um i remember they did something similar in was it the first Black Panther film, or am I misremembering? Um, with that, like an animated sequence. Um, Do you remember when Buffy it... did it with shadow puppets in series seven? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was really good there as well. It, it works. It's nice. I mean, I wouldn't want it all the time, but it just it it's so stylized. It's so it's something so different. Oh, well, the thing is, is with and I've had this argument with Fraser Gregory too many times. Is with 
Chip, Chibnall exposition. This is my greatest failing of Chibnall for me mm-hmm. is that the ex, ex uh, I can't even say it now. How do you say it? Exposition. Exposition. It's <laughs> so clunky sometimes. People just mm. turn up. It's like an essential sum. They turn up, say who they are, what mm. they used to do, what they're doing there, and you know, and it's mm. just a lot to be to have be delivered in one sort of lump. When they yeah. do something like this, which is so it's such a creative way yeah. of filling in all the blanks very quickly. Yeah. Or like in, um, I remember you remember in Dear Darcy when they have the dance scene mm. and everyone's gossiping about everyone else. Yeah. And it just feels such a natural way to explain who everybody is and what their relationships are. Yeah, it's it's much more interesting than just being told, isn't it? Mm. And that that animated sequence, it gets it across straight away. You you you, you need you know you, you get everything from that. You don't need you don't need anything else. So they could jettison a lot of the techno babble and yeah. just have that, you know. But don't they make a, a visually interesting couple as well? Mm-hmm. Mm. I I I like the idea of him being, you know, he's kind of feeding her these nightmares you know she's the one who's you know she's feeding off these nightmares and he's providing them for her I like that yeah look at this with her going down the sort of dark foggy street mm. it reminds me a bit of the nightmare man from sarah jane adventures remember when he was on the street mm. sucking in everyone's nightmares mm. but what i find scary about these two is they kind of say it's not people's fears that we're after is we want um it is literally people's ment- failing mental health mm. that they're attacking. That's really scary. It is. <laughs> because I'll tell it's you what, terrifying. a time where there's a lot of mental health that's going down the train. Yeah. And this was shown during lockdown, wasn't it? When the uh, During the pandemic. Mm. This, this, this whole series. Yeah. They also did Praxeus, which was about, you know, a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> a virus sweeping across. <laughs> They sure knew what to pick for topics in that season. They did. Oh, the timeless child mm, in the time in the time before we really knew what it was as well. Yeah. And uh, it's probably the wrong episode to discuss it, but I I never had an issue with the timeless child arc. I really didn't. No, enjoy it. I, you know, I think actually as we're going along, a lot of people saying it was a nice shot of innovation. Mm. There's always going to be hardcore people that don't like it. And fair enough. If mm. you don't like the, the history of the, the show rewritten yeah. for a modern audience, fair enough. I mm. get it. Mm. But Fine. in a time when so much had been explained, mm. it was suddenly a, an element of mystery again. Yeah. It was. It, 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 I felt it opened the door. Uh, it blew the doors wide open uh, and just injected uh, something different into it. Um, whether or not we will ever revisit it again. Oh, do you know what? I think Russell T is contrary enough to bring it up. Mm. I think if he's going to celebrate everything in those 60th anniversary specials, he will celebrate everything. Mm. He certainly won't exclude the first female Doctor. No, no. No, because he, you know, he's <laughs> good dog. How the hell did she make that Sonic zip out of her pocket like that? I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, it's a bit like a, it's a bit like a lightsaber moment, isn't it? Where it just yeah. flies into her hand. Very I don't know. I mean, how does the doctor make a, a a a bunch of flowers appear from out of thin air? You know, in in the three doctors. You know, it's it's just or terror the verb voice. Oh no, that's just a magic trick. Yeah. <laughs> what about when he makes that um, tape reel disappear in the Ambassadors of Death? Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's magic. Yeah, it's just it's just the way it is, isn't it? It's daft. It's silly. It doesn't always have to have to have a, a a reason to it. Yes, thank you, Doctor. You created a Chugasca from your nightmares. We had figured that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I forget that this is aimed at younger children as well. <laughs> Some need a little bit of things explained to them. It's interesting because do you, do you think at this stage a lot of children were watching it? I mean, we obviously know there's, there was a whole new generation of fans that were born out of the, you know, the 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 tenant stuff, really. Um, do you think there's a, and that's that's not to kind of, you know, be be a downer on, on the Chibnall era, but do we think there's a new generation that were born through the Chibnall era? I think there was enough because mm. there were five to six million people watching series 12, sort of the final figures, but somewhere yeah. between five, six million. And I know for Rusty Davis went on record saying it's only like a couple of hundred thousand that are the hardcore Doctor Who fans. Mm. So those other five million, I've got to be someone, you know. Yeah, they have to be. Yeah. Who knows? Well, I, I, you know, without the breakdown, we'll never know. No, we'll never know. I mean, my my the first doctor that my son ever saw was Jodie. So, he oh. was uh, I think he was six months old at the time, and just plonked him in front of the TV and said, "There you go, watch the woman who fell to earth on broadcast." Anyone who says that the Chimney Era can't do scares like Moffat needs to watch this scene in this kid's bedroom. <laughs> and he's almost out Moffat in Moffat because he loves doing stuff with kids, doesn't he? Like that yeah. that thing on the bed with the sheet over it. Yeah, and you don't get to see. The results of this you know there's no sudden you know the kid doesn't run out of the room and escape the doctor doesn't appear to save the child that's all you get <laughs> the fingers that flying is, at the child a lot to have a kid terrified in bed and terrifying <laughs> ian gilder coming at you <laughs> <laughs> that's not true <laughs> I, I used to be scared like that in the dark you know Seriously, my my dad used to turn the light out, and it, and I used to beg him not to. Oh wow! So yeah, so the thought of this, uh, it's it's, it, it's the same with me. I'm I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm I wouldn't say I'm terrified of the dark, but I do. Uh, you know, the the other night I was the the dog sleeps up here on the bed on the end of the bed, and I woke up at two in the morning, and the, the dog sat at the end of the bed just staring at the wall. I was like, okay, come oh. on. I've got, I got a lovely warm Doctor Who fan in bed next to me now, so I'm all right. Ah, you're no, fair. actually, I'm not. The other day we heard a creak downstairs and he went, oh, you go downstairs and see what that is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's twice as strong as I am. <laughs> oh, I do like this, though. They live mm. with their fears, doubts, guilt. Now, some might say this is a bit on the nose. It's yeah. a good statement to make. Mm -hmm. We are magnificent because we do have mental health problems and we, we still get through each day. We do. She's kind of almost looking straight at the camera there, telling us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, so, yeah, I just think it's a bit weak. I mean, you know, he's, you know, how do you control, how did you control them? And it's, it, it's kind of like, I know we're kind of meant to be showing them how strong people can be, but just the fact that they're defeated so easily is just so it's disappointing but like i said like ultimately this isn't what the episode's about is it no, it's no. about the regulars and mm -hmm. what they, what they're going through yeah 
but yeah, I could understand if people were very unsatisfied with this because I was. Yeah, it, it it it's so sudden that you you've not actually finished processing what's happened. Um, you know, when, when once the next scene comes up. I think you had a comment on Twitter about that shot of the two of them inside the ball. <laughs> and whoever made that comment, you're right. It's, shit. Yeah. it's a terrible, terrible <laughs> shot. It sort of weakens them even more. Mm. But this is what's important. Mm. And he's still, Ryan is still there for him. He's still stayed the night for him. And like you said, this gives him the impetus. Yeah, there are people that need me and I'm mm. off having these jollies. Mm. And you know, I think that's such a responsible thing for a young man mm. to do. To say, yeah. you know, I'm going to give up all of time and space because yeah. people need me. To actually make that choice as well to leave, you know, which we don't often get in New Who. You know, we get Martha do it, but, you know, most of the time people are forced to leave the Doctor you know, that rather than, than than make that choice to go. It's the mature choice. It's the boring choice. Yeah. You know, Brian, you were boring to the end. Well done. Yeah. But you were still pretty. <laughs> there, you know. Did we see that fella in um Spyfall? Is he the yeah. one he played basketball with? Okay, yeah, yeah. Nicely set up. Yeah. It's a shame we don't kind of get to get to visit him again, but then I suppose you know, life goes on and people's lives go on even when you're not not around them, I suppose. There's a hell of a lot going on in the flux, you know. We can't add any more elements. <laughs> oh, and I love this. He's at this sort of group therapy mm. where he talks about sort of going out to the mm. shop just to have some human interaction. Yeah. There, I've done that. Mm. You know, and I considered it a win when I got out of my house and mm. went into a supermarket and just engaged with a cashier. Mm. Yeah. And it's the guy who says to him, it's not it's not just you. It's not just you. And that's sometimes what you need. You need somebody to say, you know, on your own there, you know. <clears throat> yeah, it's really great stuff. And then the, the look on his face. Yeah, it's not just me. And then Yaz here, like even the way she's positioned in this scene on the sofa with the blanket around her, mm. it kind of leads me to say, you know, you're still vulnerable. Mm. You've had this amazing experience, but you could, you know, still, I think she could still have dark moments. Mm. And what I like about this this scene here, um, the police officer, is when she's dreaming, she's kind of, she's set up to be this kind of ominous figure on the road. And you know, you, you you know, it's been it's leading you to think, well, what, what has actually gone on here? But in actual fact, you know, the the ominous figure in the road is the one that that's there and gives her that drive to to continue. I like that. Turns I it don't think they had bit. to say, uh, you know, they're scared or suicidal as well. I think you can imply enough from the dialogue. Mm. Yeah. And she's so warm. The police officer is so mm. lovely. I like her line um, when she says about getting a new job and she she says about the pay being not very good. And she says, get another job. And she says, I can't. I love it too much. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Sometimes know. this sort of naturalistic dialogue really hits, doesn't it? It does, yeah. I don't think it's as memorable as the sort of witty quips that you had every five minutes in the Moffat era. No. Sometimes it really hits home. mm it's it's what surrounds it 
that that makes it, I believe, and the the intention behind it. But it's like you know what you can have all that noise and nonsense in the Moffat era, but you can have a moment where two people just sit down and talk like mm. this. Yeah, yeah, and it's as engaging as attention grabbing. I can't, I can't imagine it if ever ever like this in in the Moffat era. You know, I can't. It never slowed down enough. No, I can't remember a scene where anybody really sits down and and just relaxes and talks. I think there's there's one example, but it's a Chibnall script, and it's the power mm. of free where the Doctor oh, and talk in front of the. But even that's a bit mm. uh, overblown, you know. Yeah, it's beautiful, but it is yeah heightened. Yeah. And sometimes, I don't know, sometimes it just takes one person to make a difference mm. like this. It does. Sometimes it's, you know, it's all you need or, you know, an event. And I think to and cut it's... forward to her then going with the 50p and giving it to her and her saying, oh, God, of course I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I teared up at that bit as well yesterday. It, she's in like two scenes i think two or three scenes that character mm. I, I would not forget her you know no there's many a secondary character in a new who story that i'll never remember no and it's it's yaz's kind of when she steps back from that door as if to say should i really be here should i really be doing this and to be able to reward her kindness i really mm. like that mm. but you were there for me yeah and I love the fact she goes, Can you do you want to come in? It's just like, oh yeah. Oh, and then that's enough, you know? Yeah. You don't need to see anymore. Oh, Manic Gill smile. Mm. Gosh, she's gorgeous. You know, she, I saw her the other week at um Comic Con. She gave me the biggest hug and the biggest Aww. she is beautiful. Aww. I'm telling you, Jim, the people think the things people say about these people not being popular, these characters, she had the longest queue. By mm. ten times, I can imagine. Time. I've never seen such a such a kind of explosion as there was for the love for Jody. I've never seen that in 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 for any of the other doctors. You know, you got the popular popular doctor with Tennant, but I've never seen such an outpouring of love yeah. from sections of fandom. Oh, here oh. we go. Okay, <laughs> this is the scene. Uh, do we talk about this later, or do we talk about this There's now? There's a lot of people that got a lot of things to say about this scene later. Yeah. How do you think it's played? <clears throat> it's a hard one, because I've been, I've, ever since I saw the scene, I've been kind of dancing on the fence about how I feel about it. And I think I will always dance on the fence about how I feel about it, because I think it is absolutely right to show uh, that... Some people don't do not know how to react. Um, they do not know what to say. And I think it's absolutely right to show that because people, there are people like that. There are people like that. I'm like it. I, I may have mentioned before, you know, when we when we recorded Utopia, uh, the commentary for Utopia, when we originally talked about this, that um I had a friend who told me the other year that she had cancer. And I didn't know how to react to that i didn't know um and all i could you know say was you know i'll I'll be there for you if you need me um i didn't That's know enough. what to say other than that and i am 
a socially awkward person. I I overthink things. I, you know, I and I was saying to you off mic earlier on about being stuck at a party. Where, you know, where I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to react. You know, I just wanted want to shrink away. So I, I know that kind of that kind of thing of you don't know what to do. You don't. You really don't know what to do in that situation. How to speak to somebody. I can also see the argument of people who say that the doctor should know what to say um, and that the doctor should be able to comfort somebody um, when they need that. But then on the flip side of that, do, do, is Graham wanting that from the doctor? Is is Graham just wanting to, to talk? Is he Is he really wanting the doctor to give him a big speech about how, you know, everything's going to be okay you know there's so many different variables you know it, you can't it, it it's it's hard because you know do we want the doctor to be a superhero who who has all the answers or do we want the doctor to be like us who doesn't have all the answers this is that's my take on it this is exactly the same person yeah who is celebrated in pyramids of mars for saying to sarah jane well, I told him not to be. I told him not to go after his brother. It's his mm -hmm. own fault that he's dead. Mm. You know? And she goes, oh, sometimes you don't seem oh, human. No, I'm not. Mm. You know, different morality. Like, yeah. the doctor can be a callous bastard. She's not callous there. She's she listens. Mm -hmm. She acknowledges she doesn't know the right things to say. And she goes, look, I'm going to try and be better. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to try and be better. Yeah. She, she acknowledges she acknowledges that she should probably say something. She just doesn't know what to say at that point. And Graham, by the look of it, also understands that as well, which is why he goes away. You know, just listening is enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I will always dance on the fence over it because, you know, you just, it, it, it's what it is. You know, it's, uh, the thing I, is, like, I, I really love the speech the Doctor makes in Vincent and the Doctor when he says there's a pile of good stuff and there's a pile of bad stuff in life and, you know, trying to make sure that the good stuff is bigger than the bad stuff. I really think that's a beautiful speech, mm. but it rather takes the edge off the nastiness of, like, mental health issues that mm. the, the episode. It makes it a little more easier to digest and mm. maybe actually just keeping it a bit cold and a bit awkward mm. and uncomfortable because that's what it is. That's you, what it is. Yeah. You tell your friends. I told my friends I had mental health issues. Yeah, I told them I was really struggling. Some of them stopped talking to me because mm. I was always the life and soul of the party. They just didn't know how to handle me no. as somebody who was completely lost. Yeah, mm. and that's why I was ever so grateful to that one friend who totally normalised it and said, "Let's go out for a coffee. You don't mm. have to talk." Or you can talk about whatever you want, but let's just go out and have a drink, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and you know, I, and I've often said to you know to to my close friends, you know, if there's ever anything wrong with me, just talk to me, act act normal around me. I don't want, you know, it, it's scary enough without having people trying to. Oh, I don't I don't want it to come across wrong because it's you know again it's it's just my it, it's my opinion um that you know you kind of need to just try and get by as best you can sometimes i think and and not only that but look how many people identified with 
with the doctor in that moment you know for as many people who said who said this is not how the doctor should be there was that section of people who also said oh my word this is how i am the doctor is the same as me you know and why should we exclude any why should we exclude any of those people you know just because we think that the doctor should be a certain way like like those people that really dismiss the era, I do just wonder sometimes if the people that don't like it are louder than the people that do, which is why they get heard more. But I will say as well, I think both readings are perfectly valid. They are, yeah. I think the second you start saying that's not a valid point you're making, yeah. my point about that is that's that's when the debate ends. Yeah. You know, and there is no discussion, there's and just it- opinion. And it turns into it turns into the you know what the sort of thing that we've witnessed on on Twitter tonight you know of of people just you know people just shouting well not people shouting but certain people shouting you know about about things. Well, this as the haunting of Villa Diodati has started on the iPlayer, and what a marvelous episode that is. Um, <laughs> shall we engage with some people on Twitter then and see what they have to say? I think we shall. Um, How brave are you feeling? <laughs> well, uh, uh, let's 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 see, shall we? Because uh, I'm going to have to see if we can navigate it all anyway. So let's have a look. As you're looking at that, I'll just comment that the period dress that all the regulars are wearing in Diodati is very beautiful. Sadly, as I'm only watching the uh, the Blu-ray, um, I've gone straight to the uh, scene selection scene, and I've just got. A static image of Ryan looking at me. So. You know, you know, oh well, I mean, that's <laughs> as well. You know how we did Utopia as our first one. You know, this is the Utopia of series twelve, isn't it? Mm. It's the, the sort of single episode that leads into the two-part finale. Mm-hmm. It is. It is, yeah. But anyway, we're not here to talk about the Adarsi. No. Let's go with the story. comments. Okay, so we're gonna get. I'm gonna try and navigate this as best as I can because each tweet opens up another thread. So um, we've got. So we'll go with the first question that we've got on here, which is from Fraser, Fraser Gregory, um, and which starts with, "How many questions do you think you'd have you'd have if Elon hadn't broken Twitter?" Uh, I think. Don't worry, Fraser. I think the restriction on views is now over. <laughs> it only lasts for the day. I was gonna say. A fair few less than what we actually did get. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, we've got Tom Newson. Um, do you think Yaz's and Graham's backstories are the most real companions have been? Um, yes. We touched on this, didn't we? Yeah. The, we did, the, yeah. It might not be showy, mm-hmm. but it's authentic. Yeah. I think I think we did, we had a um, we had a little bit with uh, with Rose. I think with her with her father. Um, uh, but I think it, we kind of jettisoned a lot of a lot of backstories of companions. Uh, well, we didn't jettison it, but it didn't feel as real. I don't think. I think I I I enjoyed the stuff with Rose back um, back in series one with her father dying. Um, that felt very real and something that people you know could relate to. Um, but I do think that this the you know Yaz and Graham is he's, yeah i think i think i mean there's touch on things that people genuinely people don't generally stride universes or you know reunite their yeah. dead fathers with their mothers or have their memories wiped no. or, or become puddles 
no in lesbian relationships or go flying <laughs> off in diners or any of this stuff people do genuinely have depressive moments and deal with cancer so yeah. definitely tom yeah. definitely real yeah um and then we've got rod who um whilst they who? enjoy this who's rod uh he's <laughs> he's rod 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 good old rod um <laughs> He's uh, He says, whilst I really enjoy the story, is there just too much going on to focus on the core themes? What if we only had, what if only one of the fam had their dreams invaded? Would this have allowed us time to explore things in more depth and therefore ultimately made this more successful? Oh, interesting, because I think that's the part of this that works really well. And it's mm. the rest of the story that suffers. Mm. I think so. I think, uh, you know, as we, we we were talking earlier in the episode about um, you know, ditching the Aleppo stuff um, with Tahira, and to, it would have been better to focus more on um, on the three. Um, and but I don't think we're shortchanged in no three regulars and what we're no, I don't think so. Everybody, everybody gets their excuse me, everybody gets their run, gets their time to shine. I think time to shine, maybe not the right word. Um, but yeah, I, I I think yeah, I think um, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it to focus on 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 just one. Um, oh, right, okay. So this this one possibly opens us up. Go on to the all opinions well, are welcome here. Okay, so we got it, it, it's Fraser who triggered it. Um, of actually, course. I don't. I don't I don't He's think an intransigent is... bugger, you know. <laughs> I don't think it's I don't think it's the, the the full extent of what we got later on. So there might be something further down. So we got um Fraser said, would it would people be as bothered about the final scene of it were one of the male doctors who responded to Graham in that way? Well, someone actually did say that later down thread. Yeah, so there is more to come from that. Um we we have uh we have uh, uh, some uh, a gentleman called James Bruff. I hope I pronounced that right. Who said, "No, I really don't think they would compare that scene with twelve needing prompt cards to remind him to sound concerned about other people." Um, uh, twelve is such a callous bastard. He says in Into the Dalek, "Look, you want to have a chat with your mate who's just died? He's that top layer. Top layer. <laughs> that is every. That's more heartless than this. Oh, absolutely. Twelve could be a fucking callous." Oh, I was talking. I was talking to somebody the other day about the way he just abandons Clara in Kill the Moon. You know, you know, at that at that, at that point, uh, what I don't know, we're talking about. Can you hear me? But at that point, watching Twelve, I was like, as much as I enjoy Series Eight, I was like, do I like this this Doctor? It's challenging no. you to like him. Series yeah, eight, it does challenge you. Yeah, um, I think where it probably stands out a little bit more with Jodie is because she usually comes across as across as quite um, like quite kind but again as we've discussed already i don't think she's being callous no. i don't think there's i don't think any part of that comes across as being callous at all i think no. they are starting to give her a bit more sort of challenging characterization i love the bit i mean i'm about dear darcy again where she goes do you know what sometimes this flat team structure isn't so flat after all mm -hmm. you know? yeah yeah um Okay, and then we do have. Um, okay, so do we? Oh wow, this is like proper opening up. The this, is, this is so. This is this is uh, John the White. 
um, who who said, uh, you know, sadly he's been living with terminal cancer for over six months. And not one hu- not one human being has told me they are too socially awkward to be able to talk about it. The doctor never acted that way. Most people don't act that way, and it was a bad idea for thirteen to act that way. Um, don't I, challenge I, his experiences, but I do no. challenge his opinion that mm-hmm. most people don't act that way. Because I'm mm-hmm. telling you, nobody could face the fact that my mother was dying of terminal cancer, and they no. couldn't have that conversation with her. No, no. And that's not a fault of theirs. It's just no. they did not have the the language mm-hmm. and the emotional capacity to have those conversations. Yeah. What I, this is really interesting. I want to talk about uh, John the White and the conversation we ended up having. Mm-hmm. What happened was he got very angry that I wouldn't acknowledge his opinion, mm-hmm. and. Ultimately, I just started throwing affection at him because I thought he's trying to really roll me up to the point where he like made a comparison between me and a rapist. So mm. to a point where I wasn't reacting to yeah. very strong statements that he was making. I just kept saying all the best, love and hugs, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, and then eventually he blocked me because he couldn't make me angry. Mm-hmm. And there is this element of fandom on Twitter that hates this era so much and they desperately want to fight with people about it. Mm. And the best way to react to these people is just to to fight back with kindness. You have to. You have and to. Generally because... speaking, they just go away as yeah. exemplified by John the White. Yeah. And you can't because, you know, he... And he does. He, he does go. He, he does. You know, add more to it. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, shall we go through the the rest of the things he says? Um, I mean, I, I think that's very heated. That discussion. Yeah, it is very. It's heated, a one sided yeah. heated discussion, unfortunately. Um, yeah. What I, what I will say is, I think he makes a valid point that mm. his reading is valid. Yeah, yeah absolutely. For him. Yeah. But he couldn't accept that my reading was valid for me. No. And no. that is a problem when you're having a discussion. Yeah, it, it it is a problem. The thing is, we're all different. Every single one of us in, in this universe, here on this planet, is, uh, is a different person. And we are all different in so many ways. We all have to respect each other. We have to respect what each of us feel and think and not attack each other because of it you know it's not i don't understand how people cannot understand that how people cannot be okay with other people having different opinions you know if we were all the same how boring would life be well the podcast would be the same for a start everyone would be saying the same thing yeah exactly you know, I, spent, so... I spent most of the last couple of weeks challenging my opinion on the Stephen Moffat era with a load of people coming on and telling me how amazing it is and actually making me mm. question my opinion on a lot of that stuff you know yeah. that's the best conversation to have it is yeah it's not, it... not to be sort of dogged in a corner and say this is right yeah it's, all right well tell me what you think and let's talk about it yeah it's you know it's like uh you know Delta and the Bannermen it wasn't a very loved story but over the t- over time, so many people's opinions. You know, you listen to people's opinions, and more people love that story now because because they form their own opinion on it rather than listen to the to the you know the kind of received wisdom of of fandom. Um, so yeah, it's uh, people just need to accept that there's other opinions. There's no need to attack people. Fair for enough. It. 
I still think the Wedding of River Song is a right dog of an episode. Oh, just yeah. Just put that out there. Yeah. Okay, come on then. Let's <laughs> what what what's let's let's hear from somebody else. Okay, okay. So let's get back to the original tweet. Um so Dave Rennie, Dave from the Kettle. Um says, <laughs> he says Ian Gelder plays creepy bug as well. He was also unsettling in Torchwood too. Yes, he yeah. was. Um, absolutely right and if you blow that day ready yeah and if you ever get a chance um i'm just going to plug this because i like plugging this series every now and again um uh ian gelder i believe is uh i don't know if he's i think he might be married to ben daniels who is a star of a fantastic series called the exorcist um which is a spin-off or sequel to the film and it's amazing got cancelled after two series but he's amazing and he plays a an alcoholic exorcist um, check it out everybody yeah I, I don't think you can get it on dvd but <laughs> this new segment recommends <laughs> always any chance i get to plug that series i will do i loved it um uh, we've got Brendan, uh, Brendan A. Jones. Um, it's one of my faves of Series 12. Ryan's support of Thibaut is really well handled. The villain's plan really connects well with childhood fears. Love the Doctor flying off to get into trouble because she's bored. Yes, we said that, didn't we? And he, he also continues with, uh, while I think the oft-criticised Dr. Graham bit at the end could have could have better dialogue, I don't, do wonder if it's more vocal critics always uh if, it, if it's more vocal critics always have the right words to say when their friends ask for support um and in a response to that um jeff uh the lovely jeff um goddard had put he's been on both sides of the conversation at various points i'm sure many have uh sometimes just vocalizing is all that's needed you don't need want or expect an answer just a pair of ears to hear and sometimes there are no words to offer in return, only empty platitudes. Um, and Andy Parkinson had added, "I do wish they hadn't put that scene in if they weren't going, uh, if they weren't going to at least get her to empath empathize." It does seem a bit clunky, but Bradley Walsh knocks it out of the park with his performance. I question that. I think she does empathize mm. by listening, by saying she wished she did better. I mean, she kind of makes it about herself rather than about what he's going through. Mm -hmm. But I think the act of listening is an act of empathy. Yeah, absolutely it is. Um, Andy also says, uh, is this one of the best Chibnall episodes for companion development? Um, which we kind of we touched on that. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and the uh, somebody called the British Alien said, for me, the companions loom large, but their char characters aren't developed. Um, See, so interesting, so interesting, isn't it? It there's, is. There's it is in every direction, and and at uh, not at uh, not one point are we sitting here criticizing the opinions of these people. No, you know, <laughs> well, because, because I think they're all valid. all valid. It is all yeah. valid. Yeah, you can sometimes you can choose to see the development, or you can choose to say there's no development there. You know, this for for me, I watch it and I see Ryan developing into somebody who actually maybe doesn't want to continue this life traveling in the TARDIS and wants to actually stay at home and support his friends and everything. That's the development I see for Ryan. So Yaz acknowledging that she's come from a dark place mm -hmm. and thanking the person that helped her do that. Mm -hmm. And then I see Graham acknowledging the fact out loud that he mm -hmm. still has fears about his physical health. Yeah. I mean, I do, I do, uh, I do, you know, kind of, I would have loved to have seen 
it hinted at from the start, perhaps that there was that there was these issues going on. You know, say there was something in the background that we weren't quite aware of with Yaz um, from from right at the start of the series. But um, but that's how television is made, isn't it? Sometimes things don't come into it until. I question that as well, though, you know, because I think that scene in Spyfall where she breaks down in tears after she goes off to that dark space, mm-hmm. it does show her to be quite vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think I've read a comment about that earlier on, actually. Um, and Andy also puts, uh, also Azelin Rakaya, that was the name of the, the female, um, the prototypes for Swarm and Azure. So it was, it was Andy yeah. who mentioned that. You can feel some similarities between this and the Flux. Um, you can. I think Swarm and Azure are more melodramatic and camp and far more entertaining to watch mm-hmm. as oh, a result. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Fraser. Um, so Fraser's lightening the mood a little bit. Uh, snog, marry, or poke to death with detachable fingers. And your <laughs> options are Thibaut, Tahira, and Yaz's police officer. Thibaut, Tahira, and Yaz's police officer. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. So. I'll obviously snog Thibaut because he had massive, gorgeous, full lips and he looked very kissable. Uh-huh. Um, I'm going to marry the police officer because she seems like a lovely person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 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 what am I doing? I'm shoving hope fingers to, to, here. to death with detachable fingers. Yeah, because I, I want her out of the episode. So sorry to hear her. You're out. What about you? Yeah, I think probably I'd say snog Yaz's police officer. Because I think she's absolutely bloody wonderful for what for what she does in that in that story. Um, I would say uh, marry Tivo because it just feels like he needs some some love, um, some comfort, and yeah, poke to death with detachable fingers to hear her. Unfortunately, oh, and we like to hear her as well. But yeah, yeah. You know. I like the bit where she comes along at the beginning. She's a terrible old gossip with her mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hang on, I've just come off it. Bear with me. Oh no. Here we go. Um, Steve Alexandra, uh, Alexander, sorry, sorry, Steve, um, says it's it's fingers in your ears time. Um, I'm sure that was a bit in Wackaday where they used to do that. Bit. I can't. I remember Wackaday, but I can't remember that. Oh, it's good to know you're ready, ready and you're wide, wide awake. awake. So on your marks and get set, go. Wackaday, no school today. What you gonna do? Oh my God! Remember Maris Mallet? Yeah. No repetition, the... no deviations, or you get a bash on the head like this. But um, boom. Is that his old comment? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Come on, Steve. I'm, you're challenging me a bit. Um, Daniel Knight. Uh, could oh, this have been Daniel better? Seriously, can we have a moment for Daniel Knight, please? We do like Daniel, don't we? Oh, he's gorgeous. Got we, do like, we do like Daniel. Um, could this have been better if it had focused solely on the Doctor and the fam and no pointless trips back to the uh, 14th century Syria but he does also add when I say better I don't think it's bad but it could have utilised the regulars far better it seemed to be going for a bussy, uh, bussy, Buffy style vibe and focusing purely on the Dr Graham, Yaz and Ryan would have streamlined it and made it more coherent in my opinion Steve's very smart as well that's exactly mm-hmm. what we said earlier Yeah, get rid of Aleppo and more of the regulars yeah yeah, I, yeah, I'd have to agree. I'd have to agree. As much as I enjoy it, like like you said before, uh, ditch it and kind of free the space up a little bit in the story to explore it a little bit further. Um, Simon, Simon Hart, um, 
uh, which are, which of the stories would benefit from having animated exposition scenes? Do you think it works? Oh yes, it definitely Any works. Chis Chris Chibnall script, the timeless children would have benefited. <laughs> so we didn't have to put up with that long slide <laughs> fifteen minutes. The master's <laughs> PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> if it was just a two minute animation. I do like that. I do like his PowerPoint presentation. However, I do agree. Reading reading that comment from Simon, I do think that that would have worked better with a with an animated sequence. That would have been really nice. Timeless Children, because it annoys Fraser Gregory so much. <laughs> that sequence in Timeless Children, I think it's interminable. I I I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it, but it's again again i respect other people's opinions on exactly. that they might not like that astonishing you know. how that can happen isn't I it i was sat there on the edge of my seat watching that you know and it just goes to show how different people can be um we've got uh daniel Rawnsley. um uh oh so i think he's he's commenting on something he might have already commented on but i can only see the second part so he's just put ooh also they're more creepy than camp but zelen and rakaya Again, an early inspiration for Swarm and Azure with a question mark. So, yeah. could have been. Whatever insightful comment you made, Daniel, thank you very much. Uh, we've got Eric... going to say we agree with it wholeheartedly. We do. Hopefully, we might find the, the first part of the comment somewhere further down. We'll have a look, though. Um, Eric White, which I'm assuming is not related to John. Um, I liked a lot of the story, but the re resolution was awful and jarred with the rest of it. Fair enough. He's uh, right. <laughs> Jack Coyer, um, who, uh, Jack, you've had on your podcast before, no, haven't you? It's it's smart cookie. Oh, he's so, he's so, he's so smart listening to Desperately the things to he has back to in my say. schedules, you know, I need to get yeah. that. She's been asking. I need to make it happen. Get him back in. Well, he's got, he's got an interesting question. I think the character development of this story would have been better served in series 11. Which series 11 story would you put into series 12 if they exchanged places? Oh, do you know, I think some of that series 11 sort of more sedate pace would have worked in series 12 just for one episode. It's mm. so fast paced, those series 12 stories. Mm, uh, maybe I would have put in It Takes You Away. Mm, yeah, I, I was thinking more along the lines of something like Arachnids in the UK. Oh, uh, yes. Still, you can still, you know, you're still taking them back to back to, back home, um, but uh, you kind of it's a little bit more lightweight, uh, lightweight. We just annoy right everybody word. and make yeah. Arachnids in the UK the sequel in series twelve. <laughs> we have two lots of it. Those spiders, the the thing that people object to, so those spiders being you know crushed to death with no oxygen. <laughs> Some of them got out. <laughs> and they're multiplying and they're all over the world now. Arachnids, arachnids in the world. There you go. Arachnids There's a the sequel. World. There you go. Because yeah. I love, I do like, I like arachnids. I oh, do. God, and so and cool. I hate spiders, but I love arachnids. Um, Hannah. Um, I'm not sure if I know Hannah. Um, oh, yeah, Hannah's... no, I know Hannah. She's coming on to do Ghostlight, you know. Ooh, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Of all the stories to choose is your first one. Such <laughs> an interesting one. Wow. Yeah, I would not even attempt it. Um, so I, I can't wait to hear that. Um, she says, I love how unsettling and creepy it is. Um, Mr. Tom says there was some very dodgy direction going on when the doctor managed to get the sonic out of her pocket by wiggling a bit. And it suddenly managed to leap out of her pocket into her hand. It was shit, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but funny. Um 
what the Kragus saw says, um, I think it suffers from the fact of which blighted most of the Chibnall era. It doesn't actually have a cohesive end. It just sort of stops and there's no evidence of a plan to revisit the dangling threads ever again. Uh, I, don't think, I think that's entirely wrong. You know? mm. I do think those endings do suffer a bit. Mm, they do. They do. Um, Except when she blows the kiss to the frog. I love that. Mm. It kind of sometimes it reminds me of... Um, I was watching a, um, a Deep Space Nine, Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode the other day, um, or the other week, with uh, O'Brien, where he uh, lives 20 years at a uh, hard time. Is it a hard yeah. time? And you never see any consequences of it ever again. It's a yeah, fantastic that's, that's, episode. That's a particularly uh, troubling aspect of Star Trek, you know. Yeah. I watched Genesis the other day, where the TNG crew got de-evolved into monsters, and between scenes, they were re-evolved into their normal selves with no signs that they had any issues at all. Oh, wow. Wow. And it's, it, 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 it's yeah, it, it did remind me of that kind of Star Trek thing. And Deep Space Nine, I know we're going totally off on a tangent now, but Deep Space Nine was always very good at weaving in the recurring things. So to abandon something like that, yeah, it was a bit short-sighted. It doesn't escape the fact that that is a brilliant episode, though. The performances are brilliant. Oh, yeah. The, it, that affected me when I was a... when I, I think I saw it when I was about probably about 14, and it, it 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 upset me, you know, to see the character that I loved put into that. mental that. health as well, wasn't it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we made a link, at least. <laughs> Good. Um... These questions are still coming. Well, I say questions, but we've got we've got uh, the continuation of the arguments going on as well. This it's slowly updating as we're going through it. Um, but uh, I, you know, we've just we have to get to everything, are we? Um, Max Blake says this episode has the worst SFX I've I had seen in Doctor Who based on the year it was made. After the two villains get trapped, there's a shot of them screaming, trapped, and it is terrible, poorly acted and shot. The rest is oh. fine, but the depression subplot was underutilized. Max, you are so right. <laughs> it's terrible. And in, this, in an era where the special effects are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Something went wrong there. Uh, Matt Price says, I think it's, it is a truly solid epi- a solid story that deserves credit for wanting to talk mental health. And whilst the ending is divisive, I think it fits well with the character of Jodie's Doctor and represents me in a way I don't often have the words for a situation as delicate as that. There you go. There you go. Um, Liz on hiatus um, says uh, it's a good episode but I absolutely hate debating it most of the time it isn't pleasant and just makes me end up feeling worse it never turns out to be a fun conversation so I will say that I like it and leave it at that I apologise for the last two hours of podcasting (laughs) what are you on hiatus from Uh, can you come back at us and let us know except for AC content that's what's in her name. Liz on hiatus, except for AC content. No. Come back, Liz. We apologise. <laughs> we have had fun debating it, though. We have, yeah. And then quite clearly it does throw up debate. So um, Carrie says, much like the rest of Series 12, I rather enjoy it. It's not most. It's not the most groundbreaking Doctor Who has ever been, but the idea of the Immortals is captivating. One thing I wanted from Jodie's run was to pit her against evils from the dawn of time, and this episode was the closest we got. Oh, she's um, very satisfied with this then. I, 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 I'm a huge fan of Series Twelve as well. You know, that's not really oh, yeah. a opinion. You could. Oh, I, I, I don't know if it was because we were in the middle of a pandemic at the time, but it was like my comfort, comfort thing at the time. You know, knowing that Doctor Who was still there and the Doctor was still out there in the world saving it. 
you know, I loved it. Um, and uh, I okay, so Lord Reverend Cole Poulon Igneous Mo. Um, I think this is the this is the this is what triggered the um rather heated uh thread. Uh, the first doctor would have would have ignored Graham's words. The third would have listened while tinkering with something, then changed the subject. Six would have been at a loss, and twelve would have been rude. People make a fuss because it's thirteen. Um, and then he put. I don't entirely disagree with that. No, and he, and he added, "I think, in fact, I think only two, five, and eleven would have had much empathy." So he posted I'm that. if two would have actually. Who mm. struggled to talk about his feelings? Maybe five, five and eleven. Hmm. Possibly. Um. But that that then triggered um. A gentleman called uh, let's assume he's a gentleman called Problem Being You slash What. Uh, I don't know what you've been watching, but it isn't Doctor Who. There is absolutely no justification for supporting that scene. It was an absolute betrayal of the character. Um. I will. I will. I won't read everything out, but. Um, he says the era was not maybe awful or sort of bad or semi-decent. It was absolutely turgid. Um, and it did set off a bit of a bit of a debate. Um, debate. It is still going on because the guy replied two minutes ago um, about ratings. Um, that's that's very much a I, I, I completely respect that he hates this period of Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel sorry for you because there were three years of Doctor Who that you didn't enjoy. Yeah, it's very much a closed tweet. That's not inviting any kind of discussion. It's no. just an opinion, basically saying this is a fact, and that's yeah. that. So it's not really a conversation you should have. It's not. It's not. And it's if you're uh, jumping in with an opinion like that. It's uh, it's it does it, it does turn rather vicious. Um, yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? It's it such is a shame because wouldn't it be lovely if we could get all these people with differing opinions onto a onto a podcast and get everybody together and discuss it I face had, to face. I had Luke Malloy and Dylan Reese on the other day to do the Impossible Astronaut on Day of the Moon, a two-parter I have extreme issues with and they love, yeah? Mm -hmm. And we laughed and discussed and flirted our way through those two episodes in the most amiable way whilst we had completely differing opinions about just about everything. Mm. it can yeah. be done it can be done it can be done you just have to again allow yourself to um i think both approaches have to be open to the challenge of their opinion yeah and i mean that on both sides of the coin even the pro jody lovers need to be open to the challenge that it's not perfect no. it is flawed and those flaws should be discussed yeah exactly um so i will kind of yeah, I will kind of come away from that mm -hmm. um, and go on to a few more questions here. So, uh, well, not questions, comments. We've got Alan, uh, who says, in my head, Canon, Zelen and Rakaya are the same characters as Mansell and Rack. <laughs> <laughs> we we kind of made a bit of a comparison earlier, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, I like that. Uh, we've got Michael Russell. He says, I love it, including the ending. Jodie Whittaker's era was brilliant, and I think years from now it will be reevaluated the way Sylvester McCoy's has been. Mm, I certainly hope so. Um, a, a gentleman did put uh, I can't, I can't pronounce his username. Uh, maybe Kim in time. Um, he 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 said something about blocking people, but he also made the point of uh, Chibnall was writing from personal experience. 
um, and the people saying this have uh, not not have the first clue of what it's like have, uh, to go through having cancer. Um, I do I I do um, recognize that a lot of the the writing has has got a bit of a personal twist on it from you know tw- uh, Chibnall. Um, I think I believe he he was also did Chibnall say he was also adopted and he yes. I, I, he kind of wrote for, with that idea in mind for the timeless child and so yeah so he um, was putting his own personal experiences within doctor who yeah and that's his subjective take on doctor who as well yeah he needs to be open to the challenge of people saying well yeah that didn't really work for me sorry yeah exactly um james h says um okay so the flip in the sonic scene isn't really possible but i never bothered who previously <laughs> other than that it's great a great tribute to extra dimensional continuity and gods um john um says i know i'm in a minority on this uh but as someone who struggles with empathy and is a bit socially awkward in situations like that it was nice to see someone on screen reacting as as i fear i would uh cliff any voice work going says incredibly dull for the most part frequently quite stupid and with jaw-droppingly ill thought uh, with a jaw-droppingly ill thought ending that doesn't even need to be there terrible waste of a great guest star just disastrous Oh, wow. I I look I I, you know what? I <laughs> love how it divides people. That it's, it's is... literally all over the place, isn't it? Yeah, some people is... hate it, some people love it, and most people are somewhere in the middle saying I like it, but I've yeah. got issues with it. Yeah, and some people don't talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, to be honest, what uh, somebody called Wah. But to be honest, what's what thirteen says is incredibly out of pocket. It's also kind of accurate to what some people say in that situation. Hence why Chibnall says he wrote it based off his experience. Uh, but I wish he would maybe would have said it more earlier on, so it aged somewhat better. Um, I think we're kind of there. Um, and I think you know that's we've done 15 minutes of tweets there, so I think yeah. that's a fair coverage. If we didn't get to your comment, I apologize, yeah, because it, it is also not because we didn't want to read it, but because it's bloody hard to uh to uh find because we're, we're we've got discussions now about ratings, um, and Moffat era <laughs> ratings and stuff like that. So I'm just going to assume that your opinion, those that we didn't get to, is somewhere between hate. Love and like in the middle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would I would close the tweet, um, but I'm not. I'm going to leave it open because I think it'll eventually it'll eventually burn out, and people need to get their opinions off the chest that's like that. So. That's certainly one of the the sort of the hottest takes on an episode that I've. Yeah, well, yeah, you put it out to Twitter, but <laughs> I'll hand stuff. I opened, I opened the floodgates there. I opened the can of worms, yeah. Nothing to do with me, all right? Come for it, my baby. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm on this podcast, Jesus. Well, look, what we do have to do now, though, we do have to still name the three things that we would recommend. We do, don't we? About this episode. Um, starting with you. Okay, well, I would say my first one, um, it would be it, it's tackling of mental health issues. And, you know, we've talked about it in great depth tonight um it's uh it's very brave to go there um it's very 
it's very brave to go there with your regulars as well um and to show that there's sides of them that uh, you know you may or may not always agree with um and that you know there is uh there is those things going on in the world and uh, you know people need to be aware of them so yeah i would say the mental the tackling the mental health subjects I'm going to say I really like the weirdness in this episode. I really like how it refuses to conform to what we kind of accept. There's something very dreamy. We're going into nightmares. We're going to some weird other space between planet prisons. You know, mm. I like all of that. And I think there's some really terrific imagery in this episode. Mm. Um, I probably would say the music. God damn um... it. <laughs> that was my second one. Go on. Because Segan Akinola, you know, I love Murray Gold a bit, but Segan Akinola's music is just, it's been one of the highlights of the Chibnall era. And just that, I mentioned it earlier, the kind of uh, on constant ambient music in the background, um, just kind of ramping up that kind of fear it's there and it's you know it gives you the stings when you need it and it's just there bubbling under the surface and i really like that it's not it's it's just fantastic it means when he punctuates with those dramatic stings you're sort of really taken aback aren't you yeah yeah it's fantastic um i am going to say the performances of all four of the leads mm -hmm. they're all given quite challenging material to play in this mm -hmm. um but i really want to highlight manda gill who as her time goes on gets more and more to do and i think the sort of 11 she's a little bit wasted 12 the tide is turning and then 13 she's on fire mm. um and we're at that sort of turning point now she plays those sequences um where yaz is depressed and where she's come to terms with that and is she just she's just brilliant mm. i i've been both the person depressed and the person on the other side of it mm -hmm. and i see myself in how she plays the character and i can't for me subjectively i cannot you know say anything more positive than that about performance mm -hmm. is that i see myself in a companion mm -hmm. i say my last one would be uh probably the 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 lighting and the color um, of the episode um the you know from the from the reds and the blues and the blacks of the tardis to the the complete lack of color when um Zelen and Rakai are walking down the street um in the fog um to the 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 blues in Aleppo where the you know the the cold and the claw grabbing the the um the lady's face and just that kind of the lighting i just think the lighting really helps especially in a in a set as difficult as as the the Jody's console room um I keep calling it Jody's Jody's console room it's the doctor's console room but <laughs> I always uh, say Jody is Jody is well. yeah Whitaker, Whitaker's console room she's so right. synonymous <laughs> with the part right like yeah she is <laughs> her stamps all over it yeah but yeah I would say the lighting and the coloring and my last thing is gonna be that last scene between the Doctor and Graham, mm -hmm. um, partly because I personally like how it's portrayed and have seen that awkward reaction to tough conversations, mm -hmm. but mostly because it provokes, it stimulates so much discussion around that idea. 
and whether that is um, people jumping in with very sort of stubborn opinions or toxic opinions or reasonable criticism or being very positive about it, it people are talking about it. Mm-hmm. I think he knew that was going to happen. I don't mm-hmm. think it's an accident that that scene is there. No. And I think it got the result that he wanted as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree. I don't think I've ever seen anything so divisive. Well, no, probably have. Timeless, timeless child arc. Is love quite and monsters. Sport. Yeah, love and monsters. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, I would agree with you there. Yeah, I can't. I, you know, I can't remember the last time a new series episode has brought up such a varied number of voices you know mm. it's 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 been a real treat to talk about this one and it surprised me because you know you might think this is a bit of an inoffensive mid-season episode not at all not at all it's 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 there and it's i mean we've been talking for what nearly two hours yeah two hours um, yeah um yeah we, it, it it's absolutely uh, it's a very important story um and uh that's what I want Doctor Who to be. Maybe not all the time. Maybe sometimes you just want to sit back and watch some daft like arachnids in the UK or, I don't know, dinosaurs on a spaceship. Or, you know, sometimes that's that's what you want. Um, you know, if I, it, I wouldn't watch this as a comfort episode. You know, I've got my comfort episodes. Um, this wouldn't be a comfort episode. Um, but I think it's a, it's a very important uh, episode, despite its, you know, some of its shortcomings. I think it's... It need it needed to be done. Anyone that suggests that this era isn't pushing boundaries, uh, like uh, I accuse the Moffat era of being very ambitious, not often getting it right, but being extremely brave and ambitious. Well, mm. I think this is doing exactly the same thing. Yeah, you know, almost encouraging people to be uh, uncomfortable with it. Yeah, and I think as well, you know, if it, you know, if it, as much as we pour love onto this era as well, and it is, it is. Sometimes I think this is my favourite era of New Who. Um, and it's one of the only eras that I regularly go back to to watch. But as much as I love it, I also appreciate that there are some parts of it I don't always love. You know, there's, you know, because I don't I don't want people to sit there at home thinking, oh, it's, it's just a loving for, for the Chibnall era because it's, it, you know, it's not. I think it, I think there are some parts of it where it fails. You know, I think... I think there was a lot of wasted opportunities in in series 11. I think, you know, I'm not keen on the Sanangra conundrum. Um, the, the finale, the Battle of Ranskorov Kolos, it's not it's not perfect. Um, Three know, Companions the, was frequently one too many. Yeah, exactly. And there's, there's, there's sometimes where I feel sometimes, especially in series 11, where sometimes Jodie's performance feels a little bit forced and is a little bit too, you know, happy, happy. Um, and you know, Legends of the Sea Devils. You know, it's not <laughs> bloody tedious. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's not. It's not all perfect. But that's me and Doctor Who, and that is how I will always be with Doctor Who. I will love bits, and I will not love bits as much. But I will always love it as a whole, and that is Doctor Who for me. So, yeah. Well, I think that's a wonderful place to end this discussion. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. What a discussion. Uh, Jim, where are we going next? I don't know. We've not determined that, have we? We did uh, at some point a while ago um, consider doing 
the uh the uh, no what was it <laughs> i forgot the name of it because it's so dull um eaters of light from series 10 oh <laughs> god oh, got, but i don't think we ever set anything in stone but okay do you like that one no Oh, neither do I. I, I want I want uh, to find a cheek of a uh, chink of light in uh, in the eaters of light, but uh well, actually no, I did watch it recently with Mark, you know, and I did come away thinking it was better than I remembered it being. All right, well look, it's it's gotta happen. I've got to cover every episode. So we'll <laughs> we'll re-engage in Roman Britain, or is it Roman <laughs> Scotland? Roman uh, I can't even remember, I think I watched it twice. We'll sit nice. around a campfire and discuss how fabulous it is to be bisexual and, <laughs> and face a very obscure monster made of light. <laughs> cannot wait. I mean, I can't wait with that one, but I cannot <laughs> wait to talk to you again. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you for your time. It's been wonderful. It has. Thank you very much, Joe.